you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animate chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary. And add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. I'm a nerd overdrive. I will always survive. I've seen movies, you know, um, promoted that way. I, I don't think I've ever seen a TV show, uh, you know, with that kind of a close uh, countdown to it. So oh, just kind of. Did you catch the first episode or the second episode of Rick and Morty? Yes. I'm I'm very happy with the season so far. Let's savor each episode. Yes. Because I have this horrible feeling that it's going to be another two, three years before season <laughs> four. And, uh, yeah, no, that's, uh, I, I, uh, Luke, uh, confessed to me that he was sneaking it with friends. So, you know, it's funny cause that's what a good kid he is. Like I would probably not know if he was watching on my profile, if he's watching shows that I would be watching anyway. <laughs> Right, <laughs> but but that he asked, and I said, "No, you, you really can't. I don't want." And I said, "But you know, Rick and Morty kind of fell into the Logan situation of, well, let's watch an episode together, and then see, you know." So um, we ended up. He had seen. He was like, first it was like I watched a couple episodes. Then it was he had actually watched the whole first season at a friend's house, yeah. and and then he had actually watched five episodes of the second season. <laughs> so it was like my brother was clucking at me and I said, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things. Like I can remember like this grand scheme in order to be able to stay up and watch Saturday night live for the first time, um, you know, to sneak it. And it's like, and it was so complex. Uh, now you just have to find the right YouTube channel and go to your room. Yeah. And uh, so I said, go sit like, outside with your phone. Yeah. Well, that's true too. And I said, you know, so that's, that's it. And like, it's really hard to put the gates on. You have to just hope that they'll put the gates on for themselves. And, uh, which he would, if I had said, no, you can't watch it anymore. I know he wouldn't have, but I was like, well, I find it funny. If I were 13, I would totally find that show hilarious. Yeah. Um, oh, and it's brilliant too. I mean, the whole send up of the road warrior trope, all the different, characters well my favorite part of that so we had uh, i don't know if he watched it i watched it this week but by the time we got to the end of season two what he turned to me and said i wanted to watch this because everybody told me it was funny but this is deep and yeah. i said yeah and that's and that's and now i think i want to track him back and, and have him watch community because i think it's a similar sense of humor it's uh a, a little less edgy um and i think he would appreciate as well you know as we as we roll in there's one thing i want to say because it was a post tonight and, and i think it was uh brilliant and i kind of like hinted i want to start a campaign on fanboy planet um 
of the DC superheroes that should be adapted to film or television, I think we need Blue Devil. And the reason I'm going to say this is because my friend Derek Mears posted a photo of uh, a picture of the first issue and said, this is my dream role. And I'm thinking, my God, why has that not been done? You have an absolutely hilarious actor who looks very imposing, who is six foot seven and is essentially a stuntman who could, who could easily have been trapped inside a devil suit. Um, yeah. I think if anyone's listening as we roll in here, Derek Mears should play Dan Cassidy, <laughs> a.k.a. Blue Devil. And when we come back around to the Arrowverse, if it's on the CW, I don't care. If the CW becomes nothing but uh, te- but DC television shows, I will be fine. Uh, with the exception of you can have the occasional Supernatural, since you know there's a Scooby-Doo episode coming up with Supernatural so uh, this season. All animated team up between the the Winchesters and the Mystery Incorporated gang, Mystery Inc. So that's, that's all right, nice. Yeah. It's it's brilliant, but it, you know, but that's also the sign of a show that yeah, I think this is the last year for it. Uh, <laughs> once you're teaming up with Scooby Doo, well, it's just it's, it's, when when uh, the West Wing teamed up with Scooby Doo, we knew it was over then. So yeah, well, uh, wait, isn't that what's going on right now? It is. Um, <laughs> Well, this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and you are listening to the Fanboy Planet podcast. We are recording on Wednesday. No, it's Thursday. It is Thursday. Uh, August 3rd, 2017. And, uh, of course, across we, we are doing this via Skype. Uh, so we, I, I'm hoping I sound a little staticky to me, but I'm hoping I'm not sounding staticky to any listeners. And the man who controls all of that right now is... Mm-hmm across the airwaves right now rick brett snyder and you sound fine okay yes i i suspect it is just something a little weird in my in my headphone wire um so or just in the connection tonight uh it's been weird you know hot and humid things happen uh so we've got some comics news we got some movie news we've got some tv news and of course i do want to say if we talk about anything on this podcast tonight that that is an item that you could potentially own for your very own uh, for your very self and you cannot find it at your local brick and mortar store but you want it you can go to fanboyplanet.com which of course each and every podcast has a page there, but in addition, there each and every page has an Amazon box that you can uh, type in that object and uh, item and order th- through Amazon.com. Again, if you can't find it at your local store, and we get a tiny kickback from there. As also, we've got affiliation with ThinkGeek.com, which certainly, at least once a month, you know, suddenly, where did that thirty dollars go? Um, at, because I looked at ThinkGeek. Um, so. Uh, we get a small uh, affiliation fee there if you order through the links on fanboyplanet.com. And, of course, if you'd like to help support the cost of this uh, podcast, hosting this podcast and the website, you can donate to PayPal at editor at fanboyplanet.com, which is also the address if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentaries, criticism, anything you are screaming at us and we cannot hear you, you can email us at fanboyplanet.com or tweet us. That's right. That's the right verb for it, right? Tweet. You can, because I'm all the Twittered. Twitter uh, you us. can tweet us. You can you can tweet. I believe it's tweet at us yes. at fanboyplanet. Uh, just fanboyplanet. Uh, so 
you can also follow us on Instagram. I occasionally post photos from articles and illustrations and so forth, and I also place whatever artwork uh, Rick has created to illustrate the podcast goes on the Instagram account as well. So uh, you can follow us in a variety of ways because that's how it all works in 2017. Uh so before we get into kind of like the news of the week, our top story and our top stories for the next few weeks are really going to be uh, drips and drabs from the uh, most recent Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con International uh, 2017. And tonight I just really had this urge, and I thank you, Rick, for in- indulging me to put this one first of the interviews from Comic-Con uh, because every now and then I answer an email because there's just something that grips me and says, this is an interesting story. Uh, let's see if there's an interesting conversation that comes out of this. And uh, this was everything I had hoped and, and a little more because uh, it was it was dang impressive. This is, I got this email from a, a publisher called Bubble Comics. That's B-U-B-B-L-E, Bubble Comics. Uh, what makes them unique? In, in a sea of many other publishers, is that Bubble Comics is from Russia. They're actually uh, headquartered in Moscow, and they have a small line of comics uh, for a Russian audience, and they're trying to break over into an American audience. And I guess they have been. Uh, they're carried on Comixology. They're not available. Uh, they're not being distributed in print uh, here in the United States. Uh, but it's... I just want to say, now I've read some of their stuff. Uh, I hadn't before I, I spoke with the publisher and uh, I think probably head writer, Artem Gabrielanov. It looks really good. Now that I've had a chance to, to read some of it, it's it's really good. They got Jim Chung to do the cover of, I think, what they're going to call like their big flagship graphic novel called Time of the Raven. Uh, but they were there also with this... Uh, short film they'd made from their first title, which was Major Grom, G-R-O-M, which is a a police inspector. Uh, and you'll hear Artem talk about the character um, whose, I, I love this, his superpower is uh, being um, incorruptible. So basically telling the story of an honest policeman wow. uh, in, in Russia. And he said, that is his superpower. So um, <laughs> I was hoping you were going to work in something about ground control to Major Grom. But yeah. no, um, no, because that's uh, I, I heard the crowbar in your hand and I just <laughs> didn't want to get in the way of it. Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, we sat down at, at Comic-Con actually at their booth. They'd made a short, as said, they made a short film of Major Major Grom, uh, and they showed it to uh, to let me say uh, an appreciative crowd. Um, I know that they are in talks with a variety of publishers and possibly even studios to, to see if some of this work can be translated over to to English and to to an American audience. Um, but. I, I think I've done enough setup. I was just grateful to have this conversation and, and to, to when you read, if you get a chance to look at comicsology out there stuff, you realize what was most fascinating is what I love about comics is that you can show us that it's another culture that, you know, it's actually not as different as we, as, from us as, as we thought. So, um, you know, a cop, a crime comic is going to be a crime comic. And, uh, that, 
that they're do, they're making references to American films like the Fast and the Furious series uh, and Grand Theft Auto. I'm like, yep, yeah, we're all the same. I don't know if it's good, but we're all the same. So uh, without further ado, Artem Gabriano. I'm here with Artem Gabrielnov. Wait, did I say it right? Gabrielnov, uh, who is the owner, publisher, CEO, CEO of Bubble Comics and Bubble Studios. Yes, uh, a, a comics company and a movie company from Russia. Moscow, Moscow, uh, Russia, uh, Moscow, Russia. And you are here. Is this your first Comic Con? No, it's actually third one. Third, okay. And you're here with a new uh, film adaptation of one of your works, uh, one of your books, Major Grom. Right? Yeah. So I, yes. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of, it looks like I see this Time of the Raven poster behind you. So there are superpowers. Yes, Major Grom definitely. himself is more of a detective kind of dealing with. Yes. Uh, he is more like uh, the usual guy who, who's working tirelessly and uh, fighting crime. Uh, but he uh, don't doesn't don't have any powers, so uh, he's super. Uh, I often joke that his superpower is that uh, he don't take any bribes. <laughs> well, okay, that's good. Yeah. You need that kind of hero, right? Yeah. Um, we all do. Um, so for a Russian policeman, that's like a superpower <laughs> of the highest level, oh, sorry, sorry, like sorry. immortality. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I mean, so yeah, very much kind of hero. Well, what, what would you say uh, were the influences on that character? Uh, like the um, influences? Yeah. Uh, like uh, I, I, I love to uh, read uh, stories of Arthur Conan Doyle about Sherlock Holmes, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, we have uh, like. Um, a very uh, interesting and original uh, story. It's it's called um, uh, Twelve Chairs. Like it's about um, a, a, a anti anti hero, mm -hmm. a Russian anti hero who is uh, trying to uh, uh, work things out in uh, in Russia in in. Uh, in Russia, and he try, he kind of, I don't know how to say this, but he's uh, the first anti anti hero type uh, in in Russia. It was introduced way back in uh, 20th century. Mm -hmm. So uh, his name is Ostap Bender. He's yeah, he yeah, like uh, he always invents uh, a new a new ways to get money from people something like he he uh, it is written in the book that he knew like almost 200 uh, uh, no, non-harmful ways to collect money from people like and uh, the influence of the this character like uh, he's very smart mm -hmm. he likes uh, he always uh, knows how to respond to things uh, he has a, a good sense of humor and uh, some some of this uh, went to the major grom not I'm not talking about oh, no, uh, the influence. Yeah, right. yeah, but the influence is about uh, the, uh, you know, the chef of the character, like uh, the, the, the the his character, the the way he talks to people, the the way he works to with the mm -hmm. uh, crime. So a cleverness, uh, always one step ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Process. And Major Grom, uh, Major Grom, he gets the job done. Uh, he is not uh, the the kind of policeman uh, that he uh, has his, his hands tied by uh, laws, 
because uh, what he says is that uh, the, these criminals they don't uh, have any laws. So uh, I am I, having my hands tied with the law, but but how I'm supposed to beat them when I'm uh, my hands are tied? So I have to go further for like like if he if he doesn't have an order, he just uh, breaks the the, wall, uh, the door. He slams the door, and then he gets the order afterwards. But yeah. <laughs> right now, yeah. But right now, he's right here, right now, and he he's going to get the job done. His job is saving people. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, of it. course. I got to do do justice. So um, he's not killing anyone, though. Right. Oh, yeah. good. Uh, so how how long have you have you been publishing uh, Bubble Comics? Uh, for more than five years. Okay. I mean, I I think from our perspective. We see a lot of Japanese comics. We, we I know a lot of European. I don't think I've really encountered that much from the Russian comics mm-hmm. history. Is there a... Who are your competition? Are there other publishers out there? Uh, unfortunately not, uh, because uh, there is no one um, anywhere near us in terms of uh, publishing original comics in Russia. Mm-hmm. We are the, the one and the biggest comic book publishing company. Uh, there are a lot of other companies, but they all uh, produce uh, just the translations of your comic comic okay. books. So like DC, Marvel, Image, uh, Dark Horse, IDW. Uh, so you grew up reading all those? Yeah, uh, no, because we don't we didn't uh, we don't we didn't have uh, any of the foreign comic books uh, before 2000 and I don't know eight oh. something like. This. We had just like teeny tiny pieces for like Mickey Mouse the comic book uh, like um, uh, we had uh, we had uh, Danger Girl comic book uh, a few a few of issues I grew on up on that on Danger Girl <laughs> yeah, yeah Danger Girl that's interesting yeah uh, like uh, very very few comics uh, but we had a lot of cartoons in Russia uh, that were made in the United States in the 90s like uh, Spider-Man like X-Men okay. all those things and we grew up on this and uh, I, uh, I was amazed uh, to acknowledge that uh, uh, the Spider-Man was not the the cartoon but the comic book itself and the uh, the cartoon was merely based on the comic book mm-hmm. like it was, it was the whole universe for me after that I discovered that <laughs> like in the 90s so what inspired you to get into comics as a publisher yeah uh well, I worked in the uh, in the magazines uh, like men's magazines, you know, like to how to pump iron, mm-hmm. how to get girls to like you, and st- stuff like this. And I I got bored uh, pretty quickly, so I thought I might get uh, I might get uh, make something new uh, as well. So I just started a publishing book company and uh, comic book company, and I uh, made uh, these first heroes, including Major Grom, and I'm also a writer of this. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. figuring, yeah. So and I uh, I started work- working tirelessly, <laughs> and uh, like in five years we have our booth at Comic Con San Diego and our first uh, movie about Major Grom, and I'm not going. Uh, to stop from here, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> only planning to get bigger. Yeah, we, we are planning to go, go only higher and higher, like making a full feature in English, and uh, 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 have it uh, have it in in USA mm-hmm. market too. Like we want our people in the United States to watch mo- a full feature f- film about uh, Major Grom too, because mm-hmm. we think uh, it's uh, really. Uh, 
universal, universal story because uh, because of the problematics. Uh, uh, in the first story arc, uh, there is a serial killer in a plague mask, um, a plague doctor yeah, the mask. Plague. Uh, yeah. yeah, I read the yeah. first issue. This yeah, week. and yeah. Uh, uh, he tells that the the whole uh, country is corrupted by uh, governments, officials, uh, uh, all the uh, dirty policemen, and he's going to take care of this plague by killing all of them. So, and Major Grom tries, tries to stop him. Be, uh, because uh, he thinks that uh, the killing is not the answer to, for this issue. So and it's a very interesting thing, and I think anyone in every country can relate to that, because, like, uh, police brutality, uh, I don't know, uh, a lot of government officials who tries to steal uh, our money, and, uh, well, y- you know, <laughs> you live in the United States. <laughs> all right, I mean, we have our similarities, I'm not going to yeah. deny it, right? Yeah, so well, yeah. People are all the same. You know, we have like a uh, few differences in our cultures, but overall, people are the same. Are, yeah, yeah abso- absolutely. And so, and you're publishing in English as well, right? Yeah. I mean, so, do you have distribution in America, or is well, it just coming here? In uh, well, uh, we distribute uh, our uh, comic books on uh, uh, comicsology.com. Okay. Yeah, and we are in talks right now with a few big uh, publishing book, uh, houses like. Uh, it's like, okay. You don't have to okay, name because okay. I don't want you to curse it. You know, okay, okay. Because I'd like to see you get. Okay, it, you know? like like a few a few really really big. Uh, All right. First first five. Uh, top, okay. top five. Okay. Yeah. So something like uh, brown colored equine, right? Something like that. Uh, <laughs> yes. <you know>. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, that's really cool. And then and and the film, which here is not a full length feature. It's like fifty minutes. 25? Yeah, 20, 25 minutes. It's a uh, short. Okay. Uh, we made uh, this short movie just to test our limits in terms of uh, how we can shoot a movie because uh, we uh, don't have uh, a lot of uh, experience in, in that mm-hmm. in that in that uh, area. But uh, as soon as we made this short movie, we got just like uh, uh, t- uh, tons of uh, invitations. Uh, uh, to Hollywood studios uh, to get to That's talk great. with producers. Yeah, we talked with a lot of a lot of producers, and we are going to get back to Los Angeles after Comic Con and uh, have a few meetings after that. That's fantastic. Yeah, so people are interested in our uh, IP, in our uh, approach to the shooting the movie, and uh, the best thing we can do right now is just to work even more and even harder. Well, it's uh, like in, it's an American dream. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking Thank the you. time to talk to us. Thank and, you. And the, the best of luck. Thank us. you. Thank you so much. Thank you. So cool stuff, and I was grateful, again, for that opportunity. We'll have more interviews over the next few weeks. In fact, uh, later on in this podcast, we will kind of preview uh, what uh, next week's will be. Uh, so let's get to some comics news because I saw this top news story in comics last night and I thought I got to make a note of this because um, two things are going to happen. Rick's going to get excited. Oh, yeah. And then and then Rick's going to get even more excited because I'm going to have to say this. I'm going to have to buy this book. <laughs> Neil Adams is writing and drawing a Dead Man miniseries Starting in November, um, I'm going to have to buy it because I because like all things Plastic Man, all things Howard the Duck, potentially all things Metamorpho, uh, I pretty much have to buy all things Dead Man. 
Uh, I especially I Neil a, Adams. It's well, and he started it. I mean, right? Dennis O'Neill. No, Arnold Drake. I shouldn't say he started it. No, Arnold Drake uh, was the guy who did, wrote yeah. uh, the first Dead Man story, and I don't think Adams was the artist initially. And then he but came he was, on. He owned it once he once he started drawing it. It was like, well, when we talk about Neil Adams introducing so much of like advertising and the layout change, well, not advertising, but I mean the the advertising agency techniques and so forth. The you know real really pushing the art in the way that Steranko was doing over at Marvel. Um, it was on Dead Man because that was one uh, one of one of DC's attempts to do something. And it's famously true. Almost anything Arnold Drake wrote was do something like Marvel, like Marvel's doing. Um, do something weird. That's what uh, yeah. the higher ups thought was just the secret to Marvel's success was being weird. And that's not really true. Uh, it was just they were challenging. They were different. And, uh, and most of the time uh, it worked. It's just that, D, that the powers that be at DC didn't really understand what they had. Uh, so, Dead Man, uh, Neil Adams really pushed. Uh, I mean, some of the layouts on that are amazing, I'm sure. Well, I was just going to go the layouts where it's like half the page is a profile of Dead Man's face as he's talking, and then there's like a swooping through multiple panels, flying things. Just, I, and there's, you know, decades later, and those pages still. Well, strike. that, that, I, that page where, where all the panels make up Dead Man's face, yeah. but each panel is like his body in a different contortion. It, 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 you know, he was really pushing the boundaries. He may push the boundaries on me here, but it's worth it because it's dead man. And one of the things is, uh, that he's saying is, is that we never solved who really killed dead man. And I'm like, yeah, we, yeah, we did. We did. Um, but, <laughs> or, or he's going to say that that wasn't really the person. Well, you know, I'm thinking back to it is it's quite possible that like, what I've seen uh, of that story where, where the killer was caught, I don't think Neil Adams had anything to do with it. Right. It could have I, very I, well been Dick Dillon and Dick Giordano I, I think doing it was. the art. Because it wasn't so much that they, they did solve the, the murder. What was a big deal was that he was brought back even though he had, saw, he had gotten justice, the vengeance whole thing of, the, of solving the mystery. And so that was that freed him up from that storyline too. You know, he, not everything had to be related to the. Yeah, when I think, uh, did you did you read that one, the forbidden, the forbidden mansions of haunted love, uh, the the kind of weird gothic romance one they just did with Dead Man? Yes, I thought that was a really good story, really interesting. And yes. that's the thing is, as a character, there's so much that can be done with him. The only thing I don't like about Dead Man is how they've decided. That for the animated series, every time he makes an appearance for any animated series, he uh, it's probably an accurate voice. But I just never imagined who's doing it in Justice League action. I think it's uh, Nicholas Turturro. Hmm. Oh no, no, it was Justice League Dark. The the animated film had that, so it's kind of like a hey, 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 hey. oh my gosh, uh, right, you know, really yeah. high. I mean, I'm like that's oh wow, that's Is not Boston the Boston brand, brand. Really sound. not that smooth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Batman the Brave and the Bold did a really good – I can't remember who voiced him on that, but it was a good – it was a tough guy voice, but it was also, uh, you know, it, it was kind of world-weary and confused at the same time. It's like – because they – in that episode, they made him – he hadn't figured out what had happened to him. 
yeah. quite yet. He was just learning how to do the possessions and so forth. Just, so thinking, anyway, you're you're just talking about how how they had wanted to do something like Marvel. I had never heard that before, but that Phantom Stranger came out about the same time, didn't he? Or was he a re- no, Phantom, remake from Phantom Stranger? One? Phantom Stranger was actually a, a, a horror book host from the fifties. Yeah. Okay. Which is why when you have the really early issues of them, um, he's a lot, I mean, he's never, he's more stand. He's never central. Right. He's always just so like, he's just really more of literally as they later joked about the trench coat brigade. He was really just a, a bookends. guy in a trench coat. Uh, yeah, he was kind of the, the bookends in the first couple of issues. Yeah. And I think it was even a showcase. Um, no, it, it was metamorpho came out of that. Um, yeah. but it's was, why they did the, the checkerboard, uh, covers um but when they actually five when they actually yeah. gave phantom stranger supporting characters and a and a arch villain and stuff that was about the same time as as uh, no that's true i i think it it, it definitely uh, reshaped yeah. uh in there you know and this is why a healthy when the big two or you know i would love to say okay the big five i just don't think that they compete on the same levels as publishers I, I mean, they might be equally successful. I don't think that's true, but I wish they were. But they're not the same audiences. Yeah. You know, but when the when the big two, which let's face it, the, when the superhero audiences are, uh, when both are like seeing what each other's doing and they're, and they're really, competition spurs them forward. Both do better work. And, um, you know, so I think some of my, my favorite DC stuff came out of that as a response to Marvel even if they didn't understand what was making Marvel cool. And then I think like, you know, what's going on with uh, Marvel now with all the legacy stuff is a response to, Oh, this is what DC's always done. And, um, you know, so the things that actually have me interested in what Marvel's doing are, are that. So let's, um, that's in November, Neil Adams writing and drawing. And uh, did he, he finished that reign of the Superman series, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah. So I remember you recommending that a couple of times. So this is one that we're both going to probably fight to recommend. Undoubtedly. I'll let you have it okay. in November, but we'll see. Huh. I do want to point out, uh, to note that we had talked about when the Harvey Awards disappeared. Now, you know, there was the Eisner, the, named after Will Eisner at Comic-Con International in San Diego. That was just handed out. Um, and uh, a couple of stores that have been very supportive of Fanboy Planet. Uh, it were uh, recognized. They did not win, but both uh, the Comic Bug in Manhattan Beach, uh, that's Mike Wellman's store, and uh, Anna Sebrian's store, uh, Elusive Comics and Games in Santa Clara, were rec- was recognized. Um, but again, did not win the Spirit of Retailer. However, uh, the award that mis- disappeared with the Harveys, which were named after the Harvey Kurtzman, right? Harv Kurtzman. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, they had been associated uh, with a convention on the East Coast and then disappeared. Um, and I'm trying to think of the name of the, of the con, which has replaced it with, I don't think we talked about it, the Ringos, which is uh, named after Mike Waringo, who was a fantastic artist who died way too young, uh, who had done that, that really great run with um, Mark Wade on Fantastic Four. And I don't know if he was the creator of Impulse, but had done a lot of the kind of iconic uh, impulse work with Mark Wade as well over at DC. Um, 
and he passed like I think it was a heart attack suddenly in his early 30s. Uh, so they so they've set up a comics award there for him. But the Harveys are going to New York Comic Con after a year off. So I think that means that the Harveys will be will be happening in I said in 2018. So even though New York Comic Con I believe has an October date, uh, it won't be in t- October 2017. They will be back in 2018. Um, and that has a wider voting base uh, and nomination base than uh, than the Eisners do. So it, it's almost it's not quite a fan award situation, but it's close. It goes out to people like uh, you know press bloggers um, and of course all aspects of, of the comics industry. So uh, it's interesting to see those back. It was a prestigious award then. Um, hoping it still will be. And then we have, um, you know, a, an imprint that I really wanted to come back, and we uh, was Milestone. And a few years ago, they announced uh, they DC and uh, Reginald Hudlin, Dennis Cohen, and Derek Dingle, who uh, Dennis and Derek had been involved with Dwayne McDuffie and Michael Davis in the formation of Milestone back in the early '90s, and uh, it had gone away as an imprint. DC had distributed that was. Static, Icon, Hardware, Blood Syndicate, Zombie. I know I'm missing a, a couple. They were, uh, I said Icon, right? Icon and you Rocket. You said Icon and Rocket. Yeah. I think that was one of my favorites. Um, they were all really good. Uh, and uh, so it's uh, it had gone away. A few years ago, they announced they were doing Milestone 2.0. And I had missed this news at Comic-Con that uh, Jim Lee had stated a couple of weeks ago that yes things were in order after a long time of not understand of not really being able to make any announcements about what was happening with milestone um he said it was coming it, it was coming back it would still be uh on an earth m separate from the dc universe there was a brief there was a crossover between justice league and the shadow cabinet that's what their their team was called yeah, the ones you missed were uh, shadow cabinet cobalt and heroes I don't remember Cobalt at all. I don't either. Huh. It did 16 um, issues. Well, you know, I can't can't read it all. Uh, where would I put it? Uh, so, anyway, uh, it, it's kind of back... It was kind of back in the news of comedy because with Black Lightning coming um, in the fall on the CW, uh, there had been talk that Static was going to appear there as a character eventually. I mean, not right off the bat, but uh, but eventually... And Static is arguably the most successful because he's he's part of Young Justice, so that's coming back. Uh, you know, the animated Young Justice, Static had joined that. Uh, he had crossed over with Batman Beyond and Justice League uh, Beyond, uh, and I think he even appeared in a Justice League Unlimited episode. So there had been kind of kind of that crossover. It looks like things have a little monkey wrench in here, in that uh, Dwayne McDuffie's widow is suing the founders of Milestone 2.0 because Dwayne McDuffie owed, owned, and his estate owned, 50% of Milestone, I guess you'd say 1.0, of the original Milestone. Yeah. And no one argues that Dwayne McDuffie um, was really the, crea- the the driving force and, and it certainly, I know, has motivated a lot and inspired a lot of people since and there's a there's an award named after him as well um and uh so she's suing saying they've they've left 
the estate out entirely. Now you had a viewpoint uh, when we were talking about this a little a little earlier. Um, you know, from my perspective, I see I see her point. I don't know that the law will see her point, um, but uh, that by creating an entirely new company. Uh, they, it was a way to legally, even though the assets were exactly the same as the one that the, that her husband's or late husband's estate owned fifty percent of. Yeah, the real question um, is whether it's an entirely new company, and that's like you know, especially since you're using version two, it's like, oh, so you really are acknowledging the roots in the original company. So, uh, yeah, I mean, infamously, I mean, just because it's a. a he has befriended me and been and been a really uh, great uh, supporter too, Michael Davis, who had was really the creator of Static uh, and had been the one kind of keeping things going. Uh, he's starting a, a line with um, Wayne Brady that was announced at the Eisners this year, uh, uh, Level Up Comics. Um, Michael had been left out of this 2.0, and he. You know, he's written about it everywhere. So you can, if you if you want to know the history of of his viewpoint, and I think he's been pretty pretty dang noble um, about it, uh, because he wants to see the milestone characters come back. That's really that's really what he wants. Um, but it is it is kind of interesting. Dennis and Derek were involved in it the first time around. Reginald Hudlin wasn't, um, but he's a big name you know, in film. So I think, you know, once again, in a transmedia world, he, he was the, he was weight they needed once Dwayne was gone. And, you know, I, I do want to say for people that if you want to catch up on, on a couple of examples of how Dwayne McDuffie was just an, an incredibly gifted writer, even though we're, I'm going to name two things that was him adapting other people's work was justice league doom which had been an animated film based on uh, Mark Wade run on Justice League. And he was the one, I think it was his last work, was the uh, animated script for All-Star Superman, which was a fantastic adaptation of a fantastic book. So, um, you know, it's... I certainly would say, in my completely uninformed, uh, uneducated legal opinion, uh, the McDuffie estate is owed something. You know, but you're right. It's it's. Yeah. We shall see what the what the law what the courts say. I, I just it sucks because I just want to see those characters back. I would love to see Icon and Rocket back. I would love to see Static. Well, I guess we probably may still. And I they um, DC had revived uh, Zombie briefly too. That was a weird little book. Yeah, it's with an X X O M B I. Right. Um, you know, and in an age where we're all uh, talking about we need diverse characters, there they are. There's this there's this huge group of characters that are rich and 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 great, and and some are riffing off of archetypes, but some are like Zombie was really kind of new at the time. I think others had done what Zombie was doing, but Zombie was there first. So some really cool stuff. Um, let's turn to the uh, definitely more up point of the evening. I think, unless you have books you don't like, uh, <laughs> what's in the bag? Uh, well, since you mentioned, I, I think we'll start with one that uh, maybe is more of a PSA than a review. Um, ah, well, we had our first uh, our first the Marvel Generations book came out this week. Um, oh, I did not buy it yet. Yeah, yeah. it's and it's uh, 
I'm I'm a little you know I was I was on the fence on this until I actually saw it and it's really not I'm not happy about this because I love the I love the original Incredible Hulk I love the Awesome Hulk that's going on right now and you'd think it uh, like, I believe you mean the totally totally Awesome, awesome Hulk, Hulk. it's it's when you put them together you kind of expect it to be like chocolate and peanut butter it's only getting it better but um, I actually didn't buy it. I picked it up and I flipped through it in the store. And um, first off, it's four ninety nine, um, and it's not that big. I didn't do a page count on it, but it's it's not as big as the four ninety nine the other four ninety nine book that I'm going to talk about tonight. Um, and it it just the interior of it just didn't. Um, I'm not. Compa- By the way, do you not- do you mean fourth? World 99 book you're going to talk about yes. later tonight? Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. Just wanted to make that guess. Okay. Uh, <laughs> taking that off my stack. Uh, I, I, I figured, so I'm ready. I was prepared Here. for that. I've read it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so have I. Okay. Uh, so, um, But uh, this is just kind of like, uh, I, you know, it's kind of like um, Thor, and, Thor and Hulk sitting down talking about fire, only without any jokes. Um I, I wasn't I wasn't that excited by it, and I I left it on the shelf. I really and I, I walked away thinking, yeah, I am pretty glad. Is I it did. a one, is it a special off to the side, or was it part of the regular? Because how no, Marvel's no, getting it. No, actually, the last page in it advertises the next issue of Totally Awesome Hulk. At at its so it numbering. is yeah. So if you're a completist, it doesn't matter. Well, I mean, you've got, what I mean is, is if you're if you want your complete run, oh yeah, I don't know. Does anybody still want to do that? I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. My my inclination, my my uh, susceptibility is to try and do that, but it's getting easier and easier not to. Um, yeah, especially yeah. I I really appreciate them making this a special issue that is not taking up a number in the regular sequence, um, and I'm a little worried about the rest of the books. There weren't a lot of them that I was looking forward to. I'm not looking forward really to uh, to Hawkeye, and I'm not, you know, there's, mm. yeah, yeah. So, all right, um, I'm going to go off the beaten path. Uh, I don't know if I I've ever had a chance to recommend uh, a book that's from Devil's Due slash First Comics, the old First Comics imprint, which is back. Um, I, this is a, a it was a book. Uh, co-created by Bill Willingham, who had just finished, well, not just, but a while back had done Fables. It's called Lark's Killer, L-A-R-K, apostrophe S, Killer. Uh, And it's about a homeless teen who gets dropped, from Earth, who gets dropped into a fantasy world. And it was, uh, Mark Dos Santos is the artist. He's definitely, he's got kind of a, an animated style and the back cover has uh, has like character sheets that look like uh, animation model sheets uh, for the character Kelsey Ann uh, Patchlark. And uh, this was only three ninety nine, thirty three story pages. You know, we are concerned about, are you getting the bang for your bucks? If you're going to pay a little extra money, are you going to get X pages? And I can say, yes, you can. And uh, it was a charming, strange, even though it's got that kind of dark violence that Bill Willingham kind of ran through fables, it's also almost fun in a for 
kids, almost. Oh. Um, it was an interesting story where it's set up with it, the prologue is a hundred years after the events of uh, of what the story of Lark's Killer is going to be, and uh, it, it's kind of like so you're actually seeing the consequences of of what this series is. Uh, before you see the series. And then it goes and flashes back and begins the tale. There are still many mysteries to unfold, but it was, it was fun. It was, it was funny in the way that, that to me, the best of fables was um, with a whole new set of characters and a and whole new take. And I really liked the art. This Mark Dos Santos, who I, I have this strange feeling. I, I should know what I've uh, seen him draw before, but I can't tell you, I don't know. Um, but I really liked this book. So, uh, Lark's Killer. The advantage of us recording on Thursday, when I'm in L.A. and I only buy three or four books, I actually have a chance to read them all. So thank you for that, um, <laughs> for giving me uh, late night reading last night. And so Lark's Killer was my was my stack. I'll take that fourth world one off. Go ahead. Yeah, I Why don't at, you take that one next? <laughs> I looked. I looked. I looked a number of them up, and I'm nothing I'd ever heard. Strike three, and he's done some Marvel work too. So. Yeah, well, I'd say I've probably seen him on Marvel Books and gone, oh, that's kind of a cool style. You know, it's kind of got that animated but serious, you know, um, a little more controlled than Umberto Ramos yeah. look. And I really like the coloring, and I should call out who the colorist is because I'm really starting to notice, um, let's see, colors, Salvatore Ayala, um, really subtle and, and nice stuff. So what's next on your stack? The next thing on my stack is, as you guessed, New Gods Special Number One, uh, which is coming in at uh, four ninety nine. Um, th- this was just so charming because you know we've got the DC honoring King Kirby's one hundredth year um, anniversary of his birth, um, and so you've got the little Kirby sticker in the upper left hand corner and the unabashed original New Gods logo on the front cover, um, and then you've got profiles of of um, of the various, the various gods, Orion and Light Ray and Kabalak or another Calabac. name. Another name I, I was going to say, another name like I'd have to look at it to pronounce it because I never pronounce it when I'm reading it. Um, oh, so the Tempest is Caliban, but it's Calabac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so you read this one. I don't want to do any spoilers because I think it's it's actually. Uh, I'll just say it's about. Let's talk about the value. I think I think it's I about mean, thirty-five pages. I, I did a quick count. Um, and it's multiple stories because you have a uh, the original oh, yeah. original story, and then you get a young Orion story, and then you've got um, <laughs> this thing I, I just love because all of a sudden after Young Orion, you got you got Jack Kirby on a full page that's lifted from when they were doing the twenty five cent books at, at yeah. uh, DC first, when they were going to pad it out with some of his older stuff, the Boy Commandos and Sandman, Manhunter, Newsboy Legion, that kind of stuff was all jammed in the back. So this is the Kirby introduction to everything as it was, and you turn the page, and it's Lonar. Uh, <laughs> Lonar. Young Gods I, of Supertown, which was... But, you know, did you read the essay by Mark Vanier? I had not read the essay, no. Okay, so he gives it all context. Yeah. And that's what I really appreciate. So I, I want to say... You know, say this is we, if I could, one, you call out that Shane Davis did a great Orion story. And then Young Orion is by Walt Simonson, who in a oh, yeah. weird way yeah, I, evokes Kirby to me without ever being Kirby. You know, he's got his definitely his own look, but 
but it's as it's as idiosyncratic and cool to me as Kirby was. He does the um, Kirby crackles with water with bubbles as uh, as because uh, the deep sea, but they're diving, yeah. diving into the water, Mark. Uh, but one thing that's always, especially when right before we got into the new Fifty Two, uh, you know what was happening there, the the Infinite Crisis stuff. The to me, the new gods just sort of petered out the way DC handled them, and you, you, you're always you run into this with Thor too. Sometimes when you get into Ragnarok, um, you know how many times you're going to tell the same stories. But then Mark Avenier says, "No, this is exactly what Kirby had hoped would happen," and Avenier knew him. And Avenier, uh, the reason Lonar's there is because Lonar was a series that Kirby wanted to spin off, but in reality, he had too many ideas. Yeah. And so it was like, so he would do these little short stories and then hope, well, maybe I'll be finished with this. Like, he wanted to end New Gods. I mean, it's all there in this essay, and, and he was going to hand Lonar off to Avenier. Well, when Lonar, Avenier was Lonar like is kind of 21 like 21 or 22. Lonar's almost like Commandy in the, in the world of New Gods, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's just but everything's given its context, and then the idea of these historical character, you know, of of seeing a new story that kind of updates the way New Gods right, right. is being told. No, that, that was um, that was just so sweet. The if, way they they did they made all that work. It works great. And Avenger gave it, you know, gave it the seal of approval. Context, so yeah. I, this was this was great. There's going to be more of these. I think it's six specials total. Well, they're leading um, into, I guess, uh, Mr. Miracle's getting a new book in August. And yeah, and, and there's an ongoing series for Mr. Miracle, but it's going to be, a, I think there's going to be a Mr. Miracle special that's like this, retelling an older so. story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And then, I mean, let, let's make the, take this moment to call out. That's uh, I, I, August 9th. Crap, that's next week. Uh, Tom King is the writer of this new Mr. Miracle series, and... Um, I missed the boat when Tom King wrote a little Hugo-nominated series called The Vision. And uh, so oh yeah, Tom King taking a crack at Mr. Miracle for a 12-issue series. That's what he says. It's another 12-issue limited series. Uh, I'm just going to put our money down now and say, uh, don't be a chump like Derek was with The Vision. <laughs> I caught up, and it was great. Kids, and I think we're going to be talking – that's right. I think we're going to be talking about Mr. Miracle a year from now. We're going to be talking about Mr. Miracle a couple of years from now, and we might be talking about him at a, you know, at a Hugo Award ceremony. So, love, um, the, love the tagline, he's dying to escape life. That's like, okay, that's a new Mr. Miracle. Well, and there's and the opening thing is he says that, uh, that Tom King says, oh, Mr. Miracle is Jack Kirby's Jesus figure. Yeah, I can see and that. And I'd never thought about that, but yeah. Yeah. It's so there. He says, Mark Wade said it. I'm like, oh, dang it, Wade. All right. So um, next on my stack is from Greg Pack and Takeshi Miyazawa from Boom Studios, Mech Cadet U. Uh, I don't know if you picked this up. Cool little book uh, involving mechas, kind of a Johnny Sacco and his flying robot with Robotech. And um, it's not a super, like, it's – I. It, I'm just recommending it because it's fun. It's taking a trope from a great sci-fi writer, Greg Pak, uh, who, as you said, he's writing Totally Awesome Hulk, right? We just, even though there was that one off you didn't like in Legends, we've really enjoyed everything else Greg Pak has done. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, but this is a, you know, a boy and his robot uh, story, and I can hardly wait to pass this on to my son. It was just fun. It was bright. Uh, and 
I, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a cool take on, on, on the story. Say it might not be the one, be one we're going like 10 years from now. My gosh, was Met Cadet you good? It's more like, yeah, that was good. You know, I, and, and, and it's good. It's just good, good kids comics. Um, you know, so, uh, so looking, although they have a, on the back cover an ad for eugenic with, uh, mutated fetuses. So maybe not hand them that get the digital version kids. and just so people um, and so kids know it's not met cadet you as in university it's like why you for you why you yes yeah. his name it's the boy's name um and, and it's uh let's see what uh stanford you is his name uh a chinese american boy and uh it, it's just fun so i, I want to recommend that uh, it's great to, again i love being in la and knowing that the books that I would normally buy are the one are held for me in Santa Clara, and then coming here, and because I know I'm like, Rick's going to pick this. I can't buy that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like I got to find things that I don't normally find pick up, and it, and it, you know, if I'm just got to get that little Comics Jones, I pick up some really cool stuff, and so that was a discovery I probably wouldn't have bought if I wasn't you know down here. So uh, there we go. What's next in your bag? The last thing I've got is uh, actually I was a little worried about this series, but it's actually turning out to be really quite good, and that is the current run of Iron Fist. We're up to issue number six. And are you reading this? Did one? not like the first issue. You no, didn't? because it didn't. We talked about it. We both did not like the first issue. I've I've been we enjoying, talked about it on the podcast. I've been enjoying. I and I I think I said at that time that I was you know going to give it another. You gave piece. it the Flash Gordon test. Yeah. Yeah, and it's actually working out for me. Um, I, not, <laughs> this, this time, time uh, you know, well, I'm not going to say anything about how hard it is to do something as bad as Flash Gordon. Um, so, wait till issue seven with the Hawkman, right? Uh, where was I? Yeah, the I think the thing that soured me on this originally was the fact that the Iron Fist series prior to this was also about a um, an epic attorney of of yeah. uh, of uh, martial artists and this one actually is working a lot better because the the backstory and side story and understories are a lot more compelling and interesting than uh, actually I, I the previous one i really liked the art in it i'm trying to remember who was the artist in it and somebody we both like and i'm just drawing in draw- the previous one yeah uh, it was, wasn't it lee yeah. was it, it was a jay lee i think he was I, at least doing the covers yeah i i'm yeah i think he may have been doing interior too i don't think i can look at it but anyway um the art the art in this is not as nice but i'm enjoying the storytelling and extra super points bonus this year this this year this issue shang chi uh master yes. of kung fu shows up. happy rick yeah and i can't criticize you for this you know I, I know that there are just there are characters we both have that it's like if that per- character's there it's it's awesome. It, Fifty bonus points to Gryffindor. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to put it out there. If anybody went to Comic Con and just wants to donate, the uh, the Lego exclusive this year was Deadpool the Duck. Yep. For Lego, which is like I, you know, I never get those figures, but that was one I'd be like, that's too stupid for me not to try to get. <laughs> Uh, and I, I didn't get it, um, but but no, no, I, I never get the Lego ones. And uh, at least, at least I'll give you this: my friends have have realized they can't ask me either because that's just insane. Did you get? There the, was a time. Did you buy the miniseries? 
the Deadpool, Deadpool the Duck? Yeah. I, I, I bought the first two issues, and then I'm going to catch up. The, I'm allowing it to not legally be Howard. Okay. Uh, so that I uh, so that I don't have so, to own it. So you don't have obsessively to like I have every right, every right. Howard, but I will catch up with it on Marvel. I, I I didn't think it was bad. I just thought it was like, you know, Howard I, has this history of crossing over like that, but it it was always like a throwaway in a Howard the Duck book. You know, um, like kids when Howard became son of Satan, that was just a few pages. I know exactly. You know, what you're instead talking of about. a whole miniseries. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. For somehow this one resonated with me better than the other ones did. So, yeah, I I do like I do, I mean it, it totally makes sense. But to team Rocket with Howard, yes, makes absolute sense to yes. me. Um, you know, it, it's not the Howard of Steve Gerber, but it is kind of the Howard of Chip Zdarsky. <laughs> which, by the way, if you haven't go to the you know I have the previews of his the How to Draw covers um, on Fanboy Planet. And they released five of them. They're going to be variant covers in, I think, October. Um, and they're not going to teach you how to draw these characters, but the commentary that Chip Zdarsky has put on the steps is hilarious. Daredevil in particular made me laugh, and it shouldn't have, and it was just ridiculously stupid and wonderful. So I give that. Uh, my last recommendation this week is a book that we actually talked about a couple weeks ago because it got uh, uh, a... I don't want to call it a movie deal. It was optioned by a production company by by a production company to try to get made into a movie. It is not solidly as a movie yet, but the tri- but from the heat of that, Action Lab Comics uh, rushed out the trade paperback, and it's available this week of Spencer and Locke, which is a grim and gritty take. I know, I know, it's gonna it sounds horrible when I say it, and every time I was like started to type out a review today, I was like. Uh, There's no way that I can make it sound right. It's a grim and gritty take on Calvin and Hobbes. And it is not for people that hold Calvin and Hobbes so close to their heart that they can't see a grim and gritty riff being entertaining. Um, So I warn you, if you're someone who's like, it's so cute and so true to childhood, this is if, you know, if they, if Calvin had, Let's face it, kids that retreat into fantasy worlds like that, if Calvin had actually been in an abusive no. household, that would be kind of what this Spencer and Locke and grown up to be a cop, um, and yet somehow still maintaining in a weird way the magic, though it's dark, um, and also paying homage to all the iconic moments. Well, not all. They saved some. But remember uh, some iconic moments from the strip. Um, in a weird updated noir thing where uh, Susie Durkins, who has a different name here, uh, as an adult, uh, Calvin and no, Spencer, no, Locke, uh, sorry, I don't remember who's who. Uh, I believe that the panther here is Spencer and Locke is the boy, grown up to be a cop, uh, has to investigate the murder of his childhood sweetheart. And it's it's one of those things that's like, oh, that should not work. But it does. It's really good, and it was riveting, and I, and even better as a trade. You know, it's four issues together. It, it it reads so well, and the art is is really right in that it it varies back and forth. Like you can see the influence of Watterson, but you can see kind of a manga look, and you can see kind of an American Western style, whatever is appropriate for the way the viewpoint's going. 
from whether it's the panther, not a tiger, because a tiger would be actionable legally, uh, whether it's the panther uh, or or the human or the humans around. Um, it's a dark story, but it was really, and I could totally see this being like, yeah, it's like it, 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 it would make an interesting movie. I, I, I don't know. I was just thinking about that. I mean, the art style I was, was just going to comment. I'm looking at it online right now, and it, it does an, an amazing little transformation between the two arms, uh, the, the, end yeah. of the first page to the second page. And, um, but I don't know. You, you know, the, some of the times when you do these imaginary character things, I, you know, it's hard to beat a comic for that. You know, there's so much more control and. Then, then you can... Well, here's the litmus test. We always talk about litmus tests. What's yeah. going to come out first is happy on sci-fi. Yeah. And if happy works, yeah. And and the the glimpse, they release like a 15 second teaser of it. Uh, for those listening who don't know, it's uh, about a hit uh, hitman who is hallucinating a little blue furry winged horse, voiced by Patton Oswalt. Um, they showed like a one second glimpse of happy if happy works if an audience buys it on sci-fi i could see this happening yeah. and i totally yeah. get what you're saying but you know what it is uh, um you ever seen cloak and dagger yes with dabney coleman and henry thomas uh-huh. way back when i mean it's kind of a thing only instead of dabney coleman it's a big blue panther yeah um you know it's well, the, been done the other part of it is that i mean a large part of this is the waterson art style you know that 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 is, you're, it, it is an homage, and then it's a. Uh, it's what if it shifts? Hard case crime. You know, what you if know? the live action shifts into an animated? Yeah, that might work. You know, fantasy world. I mean, who knows? Yeah. I don't know what they're yeah. planning to do. Uh, I got no insight whatsoever. I think that the writer and I might have a couple of mutual friends because I'm seeing things online. Uh, I might reach out and say, hey. Yeah. Uh, can we have a conversation sometime because it's really good. Uh, it, it is a, it was a fun, it was a fun book. It's not for kids. Don't hand it to kids. Uh, I had it in, have it in PDF form. I'm not going to hand it to my son cause I want him to really just treasure Calvin and Hobbes a couple years more. <laughs> I know yeah. he's getting old, but you know, getting older and he's hitting those teen years, but eh, I'll let that little corner of innocence go. But I thought it was a good, it was clearly done with affection and love. Uh, but it's like, yeah, if Frank Miller and Bill Watterson had a baby, it would be Spencer and Locke. So um, let's get to some movies. Speaking of weird tones, uh, <laughs> Batman and Harley Quinn is going to be uh, one night only in movie theaters. So Rick uh, convinced me that this is worth talking in movies. Thanks to Fathom Events, which also has Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan coming back in September. And you can see info on that on Fanboy Planet. Two nights there and two times. That's yeah. the interesting thing. Matinee on a Wednesday. Yeah, I'm going to that one. I, like, I, I, I reread that and went, really? But I think it's totally valid. Uh, and, and, you know, so, uh, but Batman and Harley Quinn, a movie you haven't seen before, um, an animated film uh, that is going to home, home video on August 15th, or it's going to digital, because that's what they do. And then two weeks later, it's going to go on to um, DVD and Blu ray. Uh, this is. It what we haven't seen in a while. It's in the style of Bruce Timm's work from Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, and Justice League. Uh, we haven't seen it in a while because they've gone to a little more elongated anime 
serious animation style. And here's this throwback, Kevin Conroy and Lauren Lester back together as uh, Batman and Nightwing. And now grown up Melissa Rauch is taking from Big Bang Theory, taking over the role of Harley Quinn. Um, but like, she's apparently, a fine, she's a fine choice. She's a great choice. Oh, I think a great, I, I think a great choice. It is weird to me, but then I thought, I, I mean, it, it, it's weird because I think Arlene Sorkin is still working. That, that's the woman who originated the right. voice of Harley Quinn. But I thought about it and I went, I guess, you know, I mean, we've already accepted, uh, the movie version, the, the suicide squad version of Harley Quinn, uh, Margot Robbie. Um, and, you know, that was fine. It was very different. I think it's a different voice in the Arkham Asylum games. Um, so I thought, yeah, I could I could see it slash hear it. Uh, I have not seen this film yet, um, but I, I, I'm in because of it being in that old style. And also apparently has, even though it's uh, very comedic, it has sort of a serious thing. It's uh, the Floronic Man, Jason Woodrue, voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson, uh, teaming with Poison Ivy. Uh, voiced by Paget Brewster, who of course we both love, um, uh, to kind of basically, it's almost like from that Swamp Thing storyline with right, uh, right. the Floronic Man. Uh, basically, the plan should take over. Most of humanity should be wiped out, and so Batman and Harley Quinn have to team up and uh, begrudgingly, because Harley Quinn is still crazy, she just doesn't want everybody to die. Right, so right. Uh, it's kind of it's being played for laughs, but with a you know serious message. I mean. So uh, the next episode of the podcast will be largely devoted to interviews. I got to sit down uh, at roundtables with much of the cast and the creators of Batman and Harley Quinn, and we'll be talking about that before it comes out on video. There will be a podcast episode that is largely interviews with them. Uh, and um, it looks good. I mean, that's all, all I can say. I There have been a couple of these movies I have not liked, um, but – uh, I gotta think about that. I didn't really much like Superman Doomsday way back when, and oh my gosh, that may be the only one that I haven't. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm having trouble remembering. I know there were some that I just didn't care for, but uh, Superman Doomsday was pretty limp. So yeah, but they were you know they were there were a couple there were a couple and, right about that same time that they went through kind of a spell where I was they lost the magic. Well, they were they were finding the magic. I mean, that was like I think Superman Doomsday was like the second one. And you know what? I really need to watch. I don't think I've watched um, their animated Batman: The Dark Knight Returns. Oh, really? Uh, which was a two-parter. I oh. I I have them. Yeah. Uh, I just didn't. I, I need to pull those off the shelf. Well, we're and I and I and I still haven't watched the Killing Joke. I I just think uh, you know that one was sort of like the magic of that. I not because I have anything against it necessarily. It's just I. I have the book. I, I saw that. I actually saw that at a Fathom event. I, I recall that you went last summer because it wasn't just last summer that they released that. I think so. And it was, it yeah. was actually uh, worthy. I thought that it's, uh, there were a lot of people who were complaining about different things and mostly it's people who are complaining who don't know anything about the original anyway. So, Hey, I think it's, it's one of those that is getting more, um, a little more respect as time goes on. Yeah. You know, I, I, there was a lot of initial, and then now people are like, okay. You know, there are bigger fish to fry. Ultimately, I go back to uh, the artist movies, uh, and it's okay. There'll be something else to be upset about next week. Uh, you know who's upset? I mean, it's interesting because I, I'm, like, I'm looking at – I'm getting more excited about Fathom events. 
and then I never have time to go because there are all these one night onlys. But those are the things that I want to go to the theater for. Yeah. Because and because this summer I'm like there is now I feel like I've seen everything that I cared about, and um, I'm not the only one. Uh, so there's a big story today that the Chinese, the Chinese investors who have invested very heavily in Hollywood and in AMC movie theaters and so forth uh, have kind of put their foot down and said, um, and Legendary, they bought a huge chunk of Legendary uh, productions. They want Hollywood to make better movies. Okay. And from th- and from that, all other stories today <laughs> seem to flow, uh, or two other stories flow from this because there have been just. Uh, well, a weekend ago we had the Emoji Movie uh, with a zero percent rating for whatever it's worth. I'm sorry, on Rotten uh, Tomatoes. I, no, that was an illusion. That never happened. That... Uh, yeah, it was in a double feature with Jonah Hex. Uh. Um, uh, you know, I know. See, it's one of those things where I'm just like horrified that it got that far. It's sort of like the Fantastic Four uh, from last su- or two summers ago. Whenever that travesty occurred, yes, uh, you know it, it's like at so many places along the way, there were probably people standing up and going, uh, "Really? Are we doing this? Yes. Are you sure?" And then they gave pitching? them a smiley face, a smiley face, and the high five, and the high five slapped them, and it happened, yeah. and it still made like thirty million. And um, you know, I, I mean, I'm going to say today that you and I are both probably in for heartbreak this weekend. That's not going to keep us from going to see it. Yeah. But the dark tower, 95 minutes, yeah. even if it's just the first book, yeah. 95 minutes. No, um, I, I, I should never have read any reviews or comments because like, now I'm like going, I could wait till Monday. You know? Um, well, yeah, I could wait till September. I can wait till home video now. Yeah, and that's and that sucks for me. I mean, but I mean, there is a movie already. On the At other... least I can say this: we're going to get the TV series, but the yeah. TV series is already distancing itself from the movie. Well, the which actually TV makes series sense. is doing what the comic Fanboy did. Planet. The TV series yeah. is going to do what the comic did, which is go back to the story of Young Roland uh, from Wizard right. of Glass. Wizard but, Glass. But um, I, you know. These Chinese investors, I'm I'm kind of on their side, you know. And I, but I think all we got to do is, you know, we'll just say you guys take care of North Korea, and we'll make sure Hollywood makes better movies. I think that wow, that would work. Wow. Um, okay, so we've solved it. Um, oh, please write in to Rick at no. It's it's. I'll take the heat. I have to be responsible for what Rick says. Editor <laughs> at fanboyplanet.com. Um, no, because you know what comes out of this is that Transformers: The Last Night. Gee. <laughs> yeah, unexpectedly incomprehensible, and here's the shakeout. So Paramount has disbanded, or Hasbro has disbanded the Transformers writers' room. Poor, poor Robert Kirkman uh, now only has to um, swim in that sweet, sweet Walking Dead money. He's not really going to get Transformers money now. Um, and I, I don't blame Robert Kirkman for what happened with Transformers the last night, but I, I, I you know, before. When that writer's room was formed, that gave me hope. And yeah. yet, the last night still happened. Yeah. Or maybe it didn't. That's an allusion to I have, uh, when David J. Fowley saw it and, re- and I said, can I have your review for Fanboy Planet? Because I don't want to even 
accidentally open a door into a movie theater that has Transformers the last night. I, you know, it's like, because I knew I didn't like Age of Extinction. It was terrible. So, I mean, but it made money, and that's the problem. Yeah. We have created we we have created this. I think we're back to most people just want to go to uh, go to the most want to go to the movies and um, just have a good time. They don't. They're not going to go because they're seeing it as an art form. Um, it's and and I, I, I'm not dismissing dismissive of anyone who who does that. Like if my kid goes to a movie, he hasn't watched 50 years worth of film. He hasn't seen every story told over, you know, he, he just wants whatever it needs to, right. whatever is out there needs to be entertaining for its own sake. I'm going to say it still has to be somewhat good. It shouldn't be the emoji movie. It shouldn't be Transformers the last night. I saw the first Transformers and thought it was mildly entertaining. And if I had been a Transformers fan, I know I would have loved it. And then it just, they just got worse and worse and worse. And it's like, but every movie should have hit at least at that original Transformers level. Um, I, I I don't know because what else have I have I missed this summer that oh I mean you saw uh, I still have not Valerian and the and the uh, yeah. City of a Thousand Planets yeah and 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 we're back to I don't know what gets to people because I was seeing people online saying oh they didn't advertise it I'm like <laughs> I saw ads everywhere there were tons of ads I, I I you know but then it makes me question my own sense of reality like. Were they, or were they just ads aimed at me, and so they worked? Like, you know, if I wasn't... The, the funny thing was, the ads, normally you look at a movie like, you know, wow, if, if that's the five minutes of of, uh, of incredible footage, that's that's okay, and it's okay, but I, they can't keep that for the whole movie. This movie was that five minutes all the way through, you know, for an hour, no, it's two hours and 20 minutes long, I think. Um, but it was... It was French science fiction. They just didn't get away from it, and French science fiction is just different than than uh, you know. There, there's there's not the same kind of uh, different, well, different then tropes. I, but then I don't. Yeah, I don't blame an American audience for rejecting that. Yeah. That's different. It doesn't mean uh, the movie was bad. No, I, I don't. I don't because that's French. Not if everybody loved French movies. There'd be a lot in theaters. Oh, I know. Instead I, I'm not of, saying, instead of just that guy from the artist, not a matter of blame. I can understand why most American Americans don't, but I wish that they did. You know, I wish they had a broad. I wish they understood more Korean movies and Japanese, and you know, even even um, even European uh, European horror movies. Wow, that's a whole different type of genre than we get well i I, i'd like you to extinguish your long smoldering cigarette right now (laughs) straighten up your beret and let's move on to the other shakeup which is that alex kurt was kurtzman who was like the architect of the of universal's dark universe i did air quotes i don't know why no one can see that you can't even see me do it uh alex kurtzman may be leaving uh the dark universe because the mummy didn't do well Mm. and I, i don't know if you saw that um, I know I talked about it briefly after I saw it. Um, it, it was, it wasn't bad. It was just sort of like, I, it didn't hurt me to have seen it. Um, but there's another thing is if everybody is putting all their money down on, uh, shared universes, when I just like, I just want to see one good movie. If you're going to do a shared universe, I mean, it should make sense as a shared universe, not just because they were all originally done by the same film studio. 
because none of them, with the exception of uh, Frankenstein, Dracula, and the Wolfman, um, they weren't they weren't connected. And even well, the, and Frankenstein, Dracula, and the Wolfman weren't connected until later. Yeah, well, House of House of Frankenstein. Yeah, and, House of Frankenstein, but that's after you've had Frankenstein, Pride of Frankenstein, right. Dracula, right? Bro- Daughter of Dracula, no, Blood of Dracula. It's before those, I, I'm pretty sure it's like the fifth or sixth one in in the bunch. It's the late '30s, and Daughter of Dracula, Dracula's daughter is, which is really Carnilla, um, is like 34, hmm. and. Um, what was the other one I just said? I don't. I think you're right. Probably Blood of Dracula is later. Um, and you're right. The Mummy was separate, uh, even when Abbott and Costello met him. Uh, it was a separate film from uh, Meet Frankenstein. The Wolfman wasn't until like 1940, so uh, that didn't come in until until later. Because uh, I think Lon Chaney Jr. was allowed to be in of mice. You know, it was in of mice and man. It was considered more of a serious actor for just a brief moment. Yeah, and then and then got to be. Uh, I mean, please, it was a career-defining role, so let's not, I, I'm not, I, I don't mean to uh, be dismissive there. But, yeah, I, I don't think that the Dark Universe, it should have just, I mean, the, the thing is, like, Iron, there's a difference between Easter eggs, which I enjoy. Yes. Um, and and totally saying, no, and it's going to do this. It's the difference between Iron Man and Iron Man 2, which was full of heavy allusions and event, between Avengers and Avengers uh you know, uh, age of Ultron where you stop the film dead to talk about what's going to happen possibly in the next film, you know? So, um, I, it does not break my heart. I, it, it saddens me because you would, I guess you, you know, since you didn't see it, that they literally, they turned the universal globe into dark universe. They turned the logo. They branded uh. before they even successfully. It's like, this is egg on their face. This was embarrassment. And I'm, I'm with the Chinese investors. If you just made a better movie, you didn't need Tom Cruise. You really didn't need Tom Cruise. And that's the other thing, too, is, like, you have The Mummy. In 1997, was that when the, when the previous one had come out? Brendan Fraser, not a star of, of, of uh, you know, not Tom actually. Cruise's caliber. Right, right. Um Rachel uh, Weiss, right. um, good actors. Don't get me wrong. There, John Hanna, good actor, and uh, Arnold Vosloo. Who knew who he was? You know, as the Mummy, and who knows who he is now? I do. Uh, but but you know, what made that work was it was the concept of the Mummy. That's what made you know people. Go, you know, and uh, granted, Boris Karloff sold the first one. Um, it was essentially the emoji movie of its day, but it was actually really good um, because of all the Egyptian craze. So anyway, let's go to positive things that might actually work out really, really well. Um, <laughs> Bautista, Dave Bautista, uh, is uh, tweeting that he's in talks to play. And I, and I cannot remember the name, the actual name of the character of, who appears in the Valiant title. Archer and Armstrong, or I think now it's like I think it's actually called Time Walkers because there was a, there was Ivar was the thin, more sophisticated one, and then Armstrong had a different, more uh, Aramaic name. Obadiah um, Archer. No, Archer is the kid. Right. Armstrong and... is the time is the time is the immortal one. Yeah. Um, um, 
Anyway, he does match the physical thing. So it's interesting because we, I, I don't think we had actually heard. I've talked a lot about what Valiant's supposed to be doing with, with film. Aram. Uh, Aram, that's it. He's going to play Aram. Uh, he's in talks. Uh, he's an immortal warrior who, who now would just like to spend most of his time drinking and enjoying life, but uh, circumstances just keep not allowing him to do that. Um, Sony had had a five-picture deal that was going back and forth between Harbinger and uh, Bloodshot, um, and now it looks like Archer and Armstrong might be in the mix, or Time Walkers might be in the mix, and uh, that could be really fun because you say Obadiah Archer uh, has been re kind of recast in the modern Valiant. Um, he's a weapons master, but completely innocent. He's uh, Faith's Faith's boyfriend, I believe, uh, in in the comics now that they started they started dating, um, and he's completely innocent and knows nothing of our culture, nothing of our ways, uh, and uh, so it's a I think gonna could be cool. And Batista, I just love every piece of success that Dave Batista gets because anybody that comes out of WWE and and it becomes like oh a cool hero for kids, I I, I love it. I love it. Speaking of heroes for kids, uh, Ron Howard did confirm, I think, what most of us were most concerned about when he was announced <laughs> as director of Young Han Solo. Would there be a role for his younger brother, Clint Howard? And the answer is a resounding yes. Clint Howard will have a role in Young Han Solo. Don't know how. I don't, I, I don't know what. He's going to reprise the, uh, the, uh, the little Tranya addict from uh yes from star, from trek. star trek it'll be a complete uh, crossover uh jj abrams has negotiated that yeah i don't know i want to say i spent a weekend in santa rosa hanging out with clint howard because he was in sparks um and uh was, we were we were up there for a for the uh, a talk audience talk back and screening um really nice guy fun guy um and I actually was a little concerned, like, yeah, come on, he's got to be in Star Wars. It's like the best thing Ron can give him. Come on. But, you know, they are two brothers who absolutely love each other. So I, I, was, I, I thought it was funny that that was like headline news today. Uh, Jessica Chastain has confirmed that she's in Dark Phoenix, the new X-Men movie. She stopped short of saying she's Lalandra, but let's face it, she's probably Lalandra, right? Um, you know, so uh, we had talked about that before. At D23, there had been this huge rumor that Hugh Jackman was going to be, be announced as Scar in The Lion King because uh, he showed up at uh, Disneyland right the day before uh, the live-action panel at D23. Turns out Hugh Jackman was just coincidentally actually enjoying Disneyland, and do we have egg on our faces? Happens. Uh, it happens. Uh, it, that the person who is now in talks, or the strongest, I still say, rumor because... I've seen it reported a lot of places. It makes a lot of sense, but it's not. Uh, I'm not seeing the hardcore confirmation that I like to see, uh, which is like the actor saying, "Yeah, I'm going to do it." Uh, is Chiwetel Ejiofor uh, is going to, uh, who is of course Mordo in Doctor Strange, um, is going to play is up for at least the role of Scar, the villain in The Lion King. Um, that guy's got an incredible singing voice, and I don't know if you've heard it. I have not. 
He is actually, I went back after seeing the musical Kinky Boots. Yeah. He is the originator of that role. Oh, I've never watched the, the original movie. No, it was on Netflix and I watched it because I had never watched it. And then I had no idea who was in it. It's Chiwetel Ejiofor and Joel Edgerton, two actors who those like, this movie is so far away from what they have become known for that it just that blew me away. And then that I'm like, I want an album of Chiwetel Ejiofor singing show tunes because man, he sings really well. Uh, so um, yeah, I could see him doing an incredible job with Scar. Um, if, if it's true, I really, really would enjoy that. Even though the only song he'd probably have is be prepared, but, uh, it would be, uh, it would be cool. Um, and then we got our first look at, Z I, I'm not sure if it's Zazie or Zazzy. I apologize to anyone who is a fan of this actor. Uh, Zazie beats as Domino in Deadpool two, um, reclining on a Deadpool skin rug, uh, <laughs> Which is people forgot. Like I, the, Ryan Reynolds tweeted out a picture of himself doing that for Deadpool One. Yeah. Um, uh, on a bearskin rug. So now he, she's reclining on a on a Deadpool skin rug, and predictably, a bunch of jerks in fandom were like, "Domino can't be played by a black woman." Yes, yeah, she can. And um, I'm just gonna. I can't stress that enough. I'm. I was already looking forward to Deadpool 2 uh, after seeing Atomic Blonde a couple of weeks ago. It's not that Atomic Blonde was that good, but but I, the way that that guy, that director can handle, David Leach, can handle action. Um, and I'm going to re revise there a little bit. There is a 10-minute sequence in Atomic Blonde uh, that is uh, like the scene, the famous, famous, famous scene in Daredevil, the TV series, um, but it's on steroids and, uh, it's almost worth seeing them going to the theater to see atomic blonde for this 10 minute fight scene that I don't know if it's real. It looks like it's one take. Um, and it's an incredible piece of stunt work. And if Deadpool two stops dead for a fight scene like that, I would be absolutely okay with it. So, um, look forward to Deadpool two. I do like the Let's, fact, I, I do like the fact that, uh, uh, they've got Domino with a, a whited out eye. It's uh, yeah. It's kind of a, a well, neat play. A younger, stupider Derek in 1989 had a brief, brief moment of Billy Dee Williams as Harvey Dent, but Harvey Dent was white. It was brief. I I confess it here because I was stupid. I know I was stupid, and it never got past the initial one moment of, huh. and then I thought. A minute later, but I really like Billy D. Williams. He would make a really good Harvey Dent. Man, I hope he gets to be Two Face. You know, so and there were people that were right. outraged then. You know, and, and but like I said, I'm just confessing my that that youthful stupidity. Um, the reality is that they're all fictional characters. They can be whoever, right. whoever they want. You know, I, I say like with Atomic Blonde, everybody was talking about Charlize Theron. As a female James Bond, one, I'd love to see Idris Elba get cast as James Bond. I totally would. But on the other hand, I would like to see new characters get created, and I would like actors like Idris Elba and Charlie Theron to take them, uh, you know, and, and, and become as iconic, if not more. But 
there's a whole bunch of the of the movie going populist that needs to see James Bond, you know, to accept that accept that kind of character. So okay, I'd be in for that. And if it's a selling point, that's fine. And as for Dead for Domino, it's like nobody's ever. She must have been one of the cartoons, but I mean, she's never been live action before. No, whatever, whoever. Uh, it, it's you know, this is this is life. This is who we are as humans now. We come in a lot of shapes, sizes, colors, beliefs, um, tastes, flavors. Because uh, I'm looking at my Coke Zero, which I'm, I'm treasuring every last Coke Zero <laughs> I have, because of course you know it's gone away. It's Coke Zero sugar now, um, wow. and I haven't found a bottle of that yet. Yeah, they changed it, and they I changed so the I have, formula. They changed the formula. It's new Coke all over again. Oh my God, oh my we God. barely survived those Cola Wars in the '80s. I can't stand it with the diet colas. Oh, I'm no, worse, can't do this I'm worse than you are because I drink Coke Zero decaf. That's hard to find. I don't know what the. Uh, you know what? You're just gonna have to go to water, my friend. I, I'm drinking water right now. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Soon that's all that will be left. Um, let's turn to television, shall we? And uh, I just want to. I, I we're gonna talk sports. Because I know that's why people listen to this podcast. (laughs) This is, I think, about the only circumstance under which the Fanboy Planet podcast would possibly talk sports unless uh, someone was making a movie adaptation of uh, Super Boxers, the the Marvel graphic novel uh, from way back when. Third remake Um, of Rollerball. Okay, no, fair enough, fair enough, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there was like a sci-fi baseball. If, if, uh, If the CW was doing strange sports stories... Maybe that would be it. But this is Strange Sports Stories. Uh, one of my favorite movies of the 21st century, honestly, because I've watched it, it, it holds up every time I watch it, Dodgeball. Uh, one of the centerpieces of, of Dodgeball, one of the things that was just funny, and even somebody like me who was not into sports got it, was that um, the Dodgeball tournament that is broadcast from Vegas in that movie is broadcast on ESPN 8 called... The Ocho and like uh, Lance Armstrong. Oh, we were so young and naive then. The discredited athlete uh, makes an appearance going, I just love watching the Ocho. And, you know, so it was this joke that like, oh, my gosh, that, you know, sports network programming has gone way out of control. There's like eight channels. Well, ESPN on August 8th is going to broadcast the Ocho. It is going to become a reality. Uh, from on eight eight seventeen, it's only Paul. They should have waited till eight eight eighteen, but I know they couldn't wait till eight eight eighty eight. Um, from midnight to midnight, the Ocho is going to broadcast the following sports. Some of which I think I can understand, and some I just don't know. Uh, the at midnight, it starts with the two thousand sixteen American Disc Golf Championship because you can't say frisbee golf. No. But that is a sport I actually played. I was on an intramural uh, frisbee golf team or disc golf team in um, uh, in uh, in college. Uh, or I guess maybe I was on frisbee football. I think there's two uh, disc sports adaptations. Um, but uh, I, I believe on Wii Sports there is a uh, disc golf. Uh, it, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Not to be confused with Ultimate, because Ultimate is not the same as disc. Disc is more like it's it's more like golf. It's yeah. a more polite game. Yeah. It's 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 a more polite game. Yeah. There's there's quiet clapping and uh, right. and, and, and white gloves. 
at 2 a.m. Since <laughs> this championship will only do two hours. At 2 a.m., <laughs> the 2016, I don't even know what association, what the letters stand for. No, but I know no, this is a sports what what women's. No, 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 no. I don't want to mock it because this sport, I got to say, uh, for someone who is not athletic, I'm, I know a surprising amount of competitors in the professional competitors in this sport. The 2016 WFTDA. Uh, this must be two. No, no I guess it's probably it repeats. And I will tell you what WFTDA it is. Roller Derby Championships. What is that? Derby Association. I have, I have watched this sport. They have they have had uh, in downtown San Jose during the sofa things. They've had exhibition rounds of the women's flat track derby association uh, that's what the ft is so flat the, it's, track it's flat track instead of the banked ones that only sissies use so oh i didn't know that had changed oh that's interesting because i remember and maybe this maybe it never went away but i can remember it as a little kid my parents watching roller derby on oh, it was, tv it was on channel 36 and on the weekends yeah yeah yeah, I remember. I, I I remember watching that, and was it Raquel Welch was in a movie, Kansas yep. City Bomber. Yep. And then Ellen Page was in one that I can't remember what the name of that was. It was a good movie. Um, and then there's there's a uh, Boom Studios has a roller derby comic right now, um, and uh, it's just funny. Like I, I have a couple of former students that have become uh, from the first time I taught. Uh, who were, I actually have one who's retired now from being a roller derby competitor. Hi, Robin. Uh, if you're, if you're listening. Um, and I just, it's a sport. I, I really, really, I, I want to check out and I, I, don't, I, 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 I want to go, it's like going, I want to go to a, like a local wrestling thing too. Like oh. my brother goes in Pacifica and, and goes to see the, the, the local uh, promotions and, I want to get. I, I just want to experience it. I never oh, yeah. have. So the local local sports are crazy. I was down. We were downtown at for uh, Sofa first two, first Friday, and I was there with Chris Garcia, and so we had to go see the roller derby. And we ended up talking to like half the people who were there, um, and they, I mean they're, they're they're local. They're not the big. They're not the big leagues, um, but uh, they they explained to us how everything worked, and it's a real sport, you know. I'm not saying it's not. It's just one that I just. Oh, no, I just I, think it's interesting because I felt that it it had faded away. I thought it had a, a heyday in the '60s and '70s, and then I didn't hear about it for a long time. I think because a lot of people associate with maybe with rollerball, as we made a joke, you know. Um, and I don't know. So let's move on. The the 2016 Sky Zone Ultimate Trampoline Dodgeball, which, which is insane. The description alone, ultimate trampoline dodgeball. This this is, uh, I believe, this is a, an evolution is deadly. of a game called Kosho, which I know you've seen. Because it's featured in uh, an episode of The Prisoner, where they are bouncing on trampolines and trying to knock each other into the water there in the village. Okay, well, uh, well, frankly, uh, that's what a wussy name compared to ultimate trampoline dodgeball. That's true. It's even, um, I the, the, need that. It's even worse because Kosho translates into old or rare book. <laughs> oh, Jiminy Christmas. But this Again, was, this was, would you extinguish that long cigarette and it, adjust your beret? It was invented by Magoon, so what are you going to do? 
Oh, jeez. Uh, no, I'm sure. I'm sure. What? No, I know what happens now is people start. People start playing dodgeball, and they go, you know. You know what would really make this game? Water. Trampolines. Oh. <laughs> it's, yeah. you know, and then and then uh, maybe flames underneath. Maybe uh-huh. we're jumping over flames. Yeah. Um, speaking of, the next one at 5.30 a.m. is the Firefighters World Challenge. Um, so I'm going to think it's like an Iron Man kind of thing of, like, they just compete at weightlifting and stuff or, or you know, almost like a Oh, they, they do. Th- I'm sure they do things like dragging the ropes and stuff. Not dragging, dragging yeah. the hoses, you know. Well, sure. And that just makes us all jealous. Uh, at, at 8 a.m., the 2016 Kabaddi World Cup Final. So there's a sport I've never heard of. Uh, you saw a picture of it. This looks like some kind of uh, looks like, indoor rugby yeah. with mats. Kind of like what, um, uh, in, what the, uh, what is it, arena football is for football. This looks like uh, for, for uh, rugby. Well, so far, these are all things that should have been on the Ocho. It totally makes sense, including totally. the World Darts Championship. Yes. Um, arm wrestling. I know people are really into arm wrestling. Uh, then the 2017, I don't even know. Let's not explain it. Let's leave this one a mystery. 2017 Championship of Bags. The mind. Um, it I, baggles. I, I can tell the you. The mind baggles. I don't know. I don't want to know. I, I want to see know. it. Uh, you, I, I, you actually, you actually you, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Uh, then the Evo 2017 World Championship Street Fighter. Uh, so that's that sounds interesting. Um, I'm hoping that that means it's actually the video game, because that's. I mean, I, I I'll admit, I it's one of those things where I sound like an old man, but. Watching people play video games has become a very big thing. Oh, it's esports, oh. yeah. You know, so uh, I, I'm saying that as if as if I'm informing you, and I know you know, but and, and I know that most people listening go, yes, Derek, you are old. Um, it's just weird to me. Like I enjoy watching my son playing video games because he enjoys them, not because I want to you know pass the time watching somebody play video games. But good lord, you know, and then. This thing called the Moxie Games. I'm imagining people dressed up like 1920s um, gu- gun runners, uh, you know, with a lot of swagger, and they got a lot of Moxie. It's, and some, and kind of, like it's some kind flipping. of cross, it's some kind of CrossFit competition. Oh, it's so it's not like flipping a quarter under a lamppost. Well, I actually think it's also a women's sport. From what I can really, from, from what I've been okay. able to figure out. Well, every every you know, Moxie is for everyone. Have yeah. you ever had a Moxie cola? Speaking of back to the Coke Wars, I have, had Moxie I have Cola. Not, I've not. Um, uh, can, I have I to you can t- get I, it at Lenardi's. I, I, I can't hold back anymore. I have to tell you what the championship of bags is. There's there's a game called Cornhole. That is. Oh my God, Lon based, Lopez is world champion. No, I know what Cornhole is because every because Lon Lopez plays it every summer at Fourth of July. It's a beanbag. He has a, a corn. It's it's toss across. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Rick, come on, we can leave things a mystery. Do you have to explain everything? Championship of bags just Agatha sounds Christie from the back? so much better. I, that's, it does sound better. <laughs> just now, you you, you sullied it, uh, and then ultimately, I just like I like the vagueness of this. The U.S. Open Ultimate Championship for uh, what? I don't know. No ultimate, but that's it's, ultimate. 
Oh, okay. That, that's frisbee. That's that's the running and throwing foot frisbee football game. Really? See, I just like the idea that it, whatever it is, it's the ultimate champion. <laughs> it is. It is indeed, especially Winter Berkeley. Yeah. So there we go. Um, so uh, August eighth, people, you can watch these sports and and think maybe I could do that. I I you know I don't know. I'll probably forget. I'm pretty sure that I'm out and about with my son, but uh, I would like to see what Kabaddi is. Uh, anyway. Uh, let's get to more geeky, uh, specifically geeky things uh, that out of out of the Television Critics Association uh, this week, uh, the upfronts, they've been talking about uh, what's going to happen on the CW superhero shows. We will get a four-part por- four crossover again. Black Lightning, by the way, I just want to stress to people, is, um, is not taking place on the same world as The Flash, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, uh, Arrow, and Supergirl's on another planet. On another, so we're Earth already two. up to Earth three. <laughs> oh, uh, I you, you've caught up with the Flash, didn't they? Didn't they go to? They, they had at least Earth thirty two. Oh, that's right, they did. Yeah, they. they yeah. yeah. Um. So, uh, they're adding Black Lightning as a separate Earth, um, but definitely appearing on. on uh, do we get the we get the four part crossover? But they're going to put it down to two nights. So you're going to have 8 to 10. You'll have Supergirl, The Flash, That's then okay. Arrow, and DC's Legends of Tomorrow over two nights. But uh, this year, they're not going to have an alien invasion. They're going to have a love invasion. Um, <laughs> they just kind of hinted that it's going to be about relationships and how everybody's friends. Um, so I'm kind of bummed. But on the other hand, once you've had an alien invasion, I don't know what else you can do. Uh, to as an excuse to bring everybody over, I, I you know, especially yep. with the chemistry between Grant Gustin and Mel- Melissa Benoist, I really do like the idea that Barry and Kara are just friends uh, and like to visit each other from time to time. They should, you know, so. they should do what we expect them to do in the first one, which is Crisis on Infinite Earth, Earths. Um, that's season seven, and just have it all come to one Earth and be done. No, no, Grant Gustin had, did say at Comic Con that it, it's. He knows that's where they're they're going, okay. but they can't do Crisis until because they have the newspaper. They have the newspaper headline when Crisis happens. I think it's 2020. Oh, okay. So, so you know, unfortunately, there's one play. Although, who says this is happening in 2017? It could be 2019 or 2020. So we'll see. But on DC's Legends of Tomorrow, they did announce that uh, Damian Dark would be coming back in a slightly, I think, alternate universe version. They're bringing back uh, Captain Cold. Len Snart will be returning, which uh, is the main reason to watch the Arrowverse for me, man. Wentworth Definitely. Miller just kills me. Every appearance of Len Snart, um, just whether he's a good guy or a bad guy, uh, it's a fantastic performance. Uh, one of my favorite actors on television. Uh, they're both coming, but also Gorilla Grodd is uh, going to cross paths with the legends. And... Um, I just love, I just wish that they would just commit to giving him a series again. Uh, they're going to bring Constantine back. And, uh, you know, and it's the same, Matt Hawkins, I think was his name, uh, the actor that played him on NBC, uh, who appeared on Arrow last year. Yeah. Um, and going to appear again. And I just, and I, I want, I think from now on, it's the only guy that can play Constantine. Uh, if they make the Dark Justice movie, that uh, he should be in the movie as well. And uh, they'll, they'll come up with an excuse. He's just an alternate universe version of himself. That's fine. He's already voiced him for the uh, 
for the Dark Justice uh, or for the Justice League Dark animated film too. So uh, the only thing I don't think he has voiced voice Constantine is I don't think he was the voice in Justice League Action because they had a punchline about Constantine having a Cockney rhyming slang curse placed on him, so his voice was different. That, um, that makes me very happy, and uh, because of the shows, I find Legends of Tomorrow the easiest one to watch as far as storyline and. Uh, our arrow is just so painfully CW that I, I can't even, you know, I'm right there. Um, and, but you, but you spoke like the average CW, uh, audience member. You like that? Okay. Uh, and yeah. the, and the, I can't even, I can't yeah. even the, 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 um, super Justin and I were watching Supergirl right up into the point where we got to the musical episode and I heard so many bad things about the musical. I didn't, I wanted it to just stay in my head and not actually happen. So I stopped there. Oh, well now the musical, but ironically the musical episode, I think happened on the flash, didn't it? Um, well, they, they were jumping back and forth during that time. So I don't know which one. I, no, I think, I think it was actually on the flash. They like had a setup on Supergirl and then, I, I didn't. I, I still haven't watched it yet. Um, yeah, yeah, the musical episode was well sung. It was disappointing, uh-huh. um, but it's okay. We'll we'll move past that. And to say, uh, yeah, I, I like DC Legends of Tomorrow's because it's it's the crazy show. Yeah, and and that's the other thing. It's like I don't think it makes sense. Uh, it breaks its own rules about time traveling uh, constantly. It will for it will it will set up a crisis at the beginning of the episode that they will have completely forgotten about by the end of the episode. And um, and yet it's so wonky and entertaining. And the only thing I wish would happen more often is more firestorm. Uh, they did all the reasons to keep Jax and and Martin uh, Stein away from each other because the appearance of firestorm is too much in the effects budget. Drive me nuts. Uh, <laughs> let's find a low cost way to make the firestorm effect work so that you can be more effective more often as firestorm. <laughs> People um, staring in the distance, explaining what they see. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, it just it and then there's a whoosh of an like, air, and he's there. It's why, as a kid, I didn't like the Spider-Man and Hulk shows yes. as much as people did. It's just, I didn't understand that it was because it was cost too much, but it was like, I like Peter Parker. I do. I like Bruce Banner. I love Bill Bixby and Bruce Banner, but I wanted to watch the show called The Hulk because I wanted to watch The Hulk. You know, um, yeah. and so that that that's how I feel sometimes about these Legends of Tomorrow. I can't believe I got Firestorm. Let me see more Firestorm, and he's not there enough. Uh, but what we're going to see more of is uh, Neil Gaiman has given an interview saying American Gods, he thinks, uh, will be at least five seasons before he finishes the book, before they get through uh, the first novel, American Gods. Then is, uh, you know, there is uh, Nancy Boys. No, no, Anansi Anansi Boys. Boys. It's Mr. Nancy is Anansi's yes. version. Um, Orlando Jones on the series, fantastic. Um, uh, so... But he, he's saying Anansi Boys is like sounds like it's almost his own project. He is hinting more and more often that he wants to write a sequel to American Gods, and in addition to putting more uh, content and ideas that he kind of like he cut for space from the original book, uh, getting into the TV series, it's it's kind of sparking ideas of like what would happen next. So um, you know we've got we know that Stars is going at least one more season. Uh, Neil Gaiman thinks they could get at least five out. So I just want to say it because I thought it was a great series. Um, I'm super excited about that. Of course, we, you know, we're only a couple months away from Ash vs. Evil Dead returning. So Stars has two of my favorite series right now. Um, 
And on that, I have to admit that uh, Universal uh, Horror, uh, Horror Nights uh, did announce that they're going to have an Ash versus Evil Dead maze. So I'm torn. Uh-huh. I always said that I would go to the Halloween Horror Nights if there was an Ash versus Evil Dead. And now there is, and I may have to put my money where my mouth is. There you go. And, and where my adult diaper is. So we shall see. Um, Jeff Loeb, head of Marvel Television, just said, you know, as we're, we just talked about the great crossovers with, with the DC shows on CW, um, there don't seem to be that many Marvel series that actually are crossing, uh, that exist on the same networks. Uh, Hulu has Runaways, which looks great. Uh, which how hard would it have been to make it look all right? You know, um, Defenders is on Netflix. And I guess, you know, we have Inhumans coming along with S.H.I.E.L.D. He said they are all still connected and they do coexist. But I've come to this point where when you go to the plot, which I think is Jeff Love's point too, is when you get to the plot of Runaways, um, at what point would the Runaways care about what was happening to Defenders or to the Avengers in the movies. It would or, only matter if they ran across each other accidentally on the street, you know. Right. You know, and I think that's what I, I'm realizing. We've come to this thing about shared universes again, where it's like we forget that the crossovers were a treat. Uh, you know, they were you. You had to you had to scour the comics for those kinds of meetings, or what Marvel introduced was those kind of like. They were like they ran into each other on the street right. if they were in New York. But you're looking but the out runaway- the window and there's Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. But Runaways were in Los Angeles, and I think the series is too. Um, Defenders are in New York, so it's like yeah. And then I, who knows where the New Warriors are? Um, I I'm hoping they're in in, in uh, the uh, Detroit or uh, yeah, that's where they're Great Lake, uh, the Great Lakes Avengers. Um, you know, Wisconsin, something, you know, Madison, Michigan, Milwaukee. Um, they're not going to cross over. So let us all just be content to know that someone said, yes, they do all exist in the same universe. Now, can we just tell our stories now, please? It's, it's um, getting back to China again. You know, I, I, yeah, I don't need to know that Legion exists in the Marvel uni- cinematic universe because that show is just so good as it is that I'm afraid you introduce somebody else from the X-Men or whatever, and that makes it bad. You know, it, it just, well, the only muddled. thing that makes that work for me is that the X-Men internal continuity for the X-Men movies has been so bad yes. that I just take each and every one as, oh, it is just somebody else's riff on that idea. Right. Because Legion did show the wheelchair. Um, spoiler. Yeah. And, you know, and it's like, okay, if, if Patrick Stewart showed up, I'd be thrilled. But I think that the, that what happened to Professor X in Logan is not the same thing that happened to Professor X in Days of Future Past, uh, and certainly not in Apocalypse. And, you know, they're jumping forward like a decade in time without aging them a decade. So I just, you know, I just look at it, yeah, this is how we should be treating it, the way we used to, you yeah. know, yeah. you watch it. I go back to James Bond, but that was really the one of the most successful franchise films. And it's weird to me that in all this time, it's only getting to number 25. Um, but um, but you look at Bond and you go, it, it was loose. I mean, how many Blofelds without explanation of plastic surgery did they have who had, you know... It, or Bonds. Kelly Savalas, Donald Pleasant, and, and Bonds. 
Well, you know, Honor Majesty Secret Service did have that joke. And it's Felix Leiters. Uh, yes, yes. Um, so, yeah, I just I, I just feel like, look, it's all just loosely connected. They're all just riffs. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I'm with you as far as Legion. You know, that, that was such a terrific show. Um, it can stand out of itself. And I don't want it. It looks to me like The Gifted, from what I've seen, uh, the, which is the X-Men related series, which references the X-Men. Yeah. You know, I don't know that it's going to exist in the same same reality as, as Legion. I don't need it to. You're right. I don't. But just as, like, when we were reading those comics, if you picked up a Bill Sienkiewicz comic, sure, in the back of your head, it was the same as the other X-Men books. But no way in the way that looked. I right, mean, right. you know, when that when he came on New Mutants after Bob Layton, uh, not a, not a riff on rip on Bob Layton, who was a great artist, but was like very straightforward, right? You know, um, it, you know, and Billson Kevich was just suddenly like, "What the hell?" Like all the nightmares spilled out onto the page, which is perfect for what was going on in New Mutants at the time. And Legion captures that, you know. So yeah. it's like, sure, they they're connected, but you're never going to see. No one ever drew Warlock. I was going to go, I was gonna go right to Warlock. Is like Sinkevich was the only person who could have invented Warlock, and, and, it, was only, and, and it was the only person who could draw him right, right, right. or any any so, of the, uh, the tech virus, whatever. The techno virus, techno yeah. virus, yeah. Techno mages, what were they? I yeah, yeah, what I was, but, was, yeah. yeah, but you know, so that's that's that. Thank you for indulging that little. Marvel memory. See, we do love them. We do love those comics. Um, so that's all we have to talk about tonight. Uh, tune in uh, to our next episode. Uh, we'll be featuring interviews with, again, the cast and uh, creators, some of the cast, I should say, cast and creators of the upcoming Warner Brothers home video, uh, which will be at Fathom Events on August 14th, um, Batman and Harley Quinn. Um, and of course, again, you can check out Amazon, ThinkGeek. Uh, please go to your local pod directory there and tell them you like us. And uh, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. I'm Derek McCaw, editor in chief of Fanboy Planet. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use, use your powers, powers only for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.